Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me again today for the Finding Hope After Loss podcast. Don't forget to make sure that you are subscribed so you don't miss any of the future episodes. I also wanted to take a minute to point out the Lost Moms book club that I have going on. Right now, we are currently on our third book. You can look it up on the Fable app, which you can find on Apple or Android, or check the link in my bio on Instagram, which my Instagram is Journey for Jasmine. Or you can always send me an email, Sarah, S A R A H, at journeyforjasmine.com, or send me a message on Instagram or Facebook for more information about that. We would definitely love to have you participate. The books we read are not all loss related. Some will be loss related and some are just books for fun. We read all kinds of books. So um, always up for suggestions on good books to read as well. So today I am talking with Caitlin. She had a nine week miscarriage followed by a termination for medical reasons due to a severe form of spina bifida. Caitlin had only a few days to make this decision after finding out the severity of her diagnosis. Hello everyone, today I am here with Caitlin. Caitlin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, hi everyone. Um, So my name is Caitlin, Um, I'm from New Jersey. Um, I'm 35 years old. I, I love spending time at the beach, um, spending time with my family and friends, um, really into yoga and meditation. And I do play a little bit of the guitar in my spare time too. That sounds fun. Yeah, I've, uh, not, as, not as much as I would like, but I try to pick it up once in a while. I got a few songs under my belt. <laughs> I definitely need a little more practice. <laughs> kind of hard to find spare time sometimes. <laughs> yeah, there isn't much of that these days. Uh, yeah, I've had it since I was like 14. So I feel like I took lessons back in the day and I, you know, keep going through phases where I want to pick it up. But yeah, it's definitely the time gets a little more difficult as I get older. So could you tell us a little bit about your last journey? Sure. Um, So my pregnancy journey um, started back in 2020, um, right around the time with the pandemic. Um, So I got pregnant pretty quickly. My first time um, trying to get pregnant, it was within a month or two. Um, I ended up in my first pregnancy having a missed miscarriage at nine weeks. Um, This was a really difficult and isolating time Um, since it was during COVID. um, I was by myself when I found out that there was no heartbeat at nine weeks. Um, It was really hard going through that time and especially, you know, not being able to have my husband at some of these appointments. Um, I ended up getting a DNC because I did not miscarry on my own during that time, um, which was, you know, a little bit of a traumatic experience. I was again alone during that procedure. You know, my husband had to wait and pick me up basically at the door of where I got the surgery done. Um, so that was tough. I feel like it definitely, 
took a few months to recover emotionally and physically. And then I feel like we were kind of getting back into it of trying to, you know, get what we both wanted was to start a family. So we took a few months off and then we ended up getting pregnant again pretty quickly. Um, This pregnancy, you know, there was a lot of different emotions at the start of it. I obviously coming off of a miscarriage was really nervous going into this pregnancy. Um, But as time was kind of moving on and I did hear the heartbeat for the first time and I got past that nine week point that I didn't get past in the first pregnancy, I was still anxious, but I was definitely starting to feel a little more at ease, a little more excited with the pregnancy. You know, appointment, an appointment was going by. I I reached my 12-week um, scan and all my genetic testing, and everything came back clean for me, for the baby. Um, everything was looking good at that point. I, you know, I was told I had a healthy baby girl. We found out the gender pretty early in the pregnancy. We were really excited. Um, And then everything kind of took a turn um, about 17 weeks in the pregnancy. I was going for my AFP blood tests. It was actually the first time in the pregnancy that I was not nervous for a test, which was you know, looking back, interesting, because that's kind of when everything changed. Um, I didn't really know too much about what that blood test even showed. Um, I felt like I was further in the pregnancy, I was getting a lot of confirmation that we had a healthy baby. And I was just feeling pretty good and excited at that point. So I went in for the blood test. A few days later, I got a call from my doctor that my levels were high. Um, Again, I didn't know what that meant. She started, you know, telling me that it was most likely a false positive. Um, There's a chance that when you have high levels of this blood test that it can be linked to a condition the baby might possibly have called spina bifida. Um, she told me that was extremely rare, extremely unlikely. And, you know, I didn't, I've heard of that condition before. I didn't really know too much about it, but she was kind of assuring me that that wasn't what we were looking at. She didn't think it was. Um, she had me come back in for a repeat blood test that same exact day that I got the results. I went back in, you know, we had to wait a few days and the numbers were kind of showing the same results as the first one. At that point, it was recommended for me to move up my anatomy scan a week. We were still almost 20 weeks at this point. Um, I went in for my anatomy scan, which just so happened to be um, my wedding anniversary. me and my husband, you know, we're really anxious going into it, having the two high levels from the AFP blood test. And we got confirmation at that appointment that there was definitely a gap um, in the lower part of our daughter's spine. There were abnormalities that were presenting in her brain. Um, At this point, it was recommended 
that if we wanted to know uh, more about the severity of the condition, that we go to a specialist. Um, the doctor recommended CHOP um, in Philadelphia. He also told us that he recommended me to get an amniocesis on the spot of this appointment, not that it was going to change anything um, or change the diagnosis, but it would just give us more information for the future. Um, so yeah, I went into the scan, you know, holding on to hope. And by the end of it, I was devastated. I was in tears. I was getting a large needle put into my stomach to get the amnio. Um, at this point, me and my husband both decided that we did want to go to CHOP in Philadelphia. I felt like I couldn't move forward with any decision of the pregnancy without knowing exactly what we were looking at. Um, I needed to hear it from a specialist. Um, we ended up making an appointment um, at CHOP. It was, you know, they wanted to wait like a week or a week and a half for this appointment just to give the spine some more time to develop, which was tough. So I feel like within that waiting period, you know, we're doing our own research. We're trying to prepare for the worst, trying to remain hopeful that, you know, they're going to tell us something different than we heard before. Um, you know, unfortunately, that that wasn't the news we got after an 11 hour day at CHOP. Um, you know, we had a fetal echocardiogram. I had another two hour anatomy scan. We met with genetic counselors. We met with surgeons. And I had an MRI. It was it was just one thing after another, an exhausting day. And the day ended basically with me and my husband and a team of doctors and counselors in basically a conference room. And they told us basically our worst nightmare. Um, we thought we were well prepared going into it of the worst case scenario. And it was just worse than we could ever imagine. Um, it was confirmed our daughter had a very severe form of spina bifida. They were going through all of the issues that I would have within the pregnancy and all of the impairments and dysfunction that our daughter would have, the poor quality of life that we were looking at for her, neurological issues, um, physical impairments. I mean, the list just went on and on and on. Um, they went through different options of surgeries, because if you move forward with a pregnancy with spina bifida, you need to close the gap of your baby's spine. Um, so there were two options of either doing a postnatal surgery, which would basically be carrying out the entire pregnancy, the baby would get surgery as soon as I gave birth. Um, as the pregnancy progressed and as more time went on, they made it very clear that, you know, at this point, I was almost 22 weeks, the condition would continue to worsen over time. So I was at basically a halfway point in the pregnancy. And they were already telling me about everything that was going to happen in the poor quality of life at that point. And it was just going to continue to worsen the longer we waited for surgery. Um, didn't really seem like 
a great option. Um, the other option was open fetal surgery, which that would be performed by the time I was 24 weeks in the pregnancy. I would have to relocate to Philadelphia. Um, I did not live in Pennsylvania, so I would have to move out of state. I would have to live close to the hospital. Um, it was a life-threatening surgery for both myself and the baby. There was a chance the baby wouldn't survive. There was a really high chance I would go even more into premature labor than, than when the surgery was planned. Um, there was also a chance that my uterus could burst, not only in this pregnancy, but it could affect all future pregnancies. So I just felt like we were looking at a lose-lose situation at this point. Um, I was really grateful for one of the doctors there that day who, who told me that the open fetal surgery was life-threatening to me and the baby. She did not recommend we go down that road by waiting for the postnatal surgery. The condition was going to continue to worsen. Um, I unfortunately knew at that point, my husband knew of what we were looking at, that we were going to move forward with ending this much wanted pregnancy, um, which was heartbreaking. Um, the days following CHOP were really tough. We kind of made our decision. I got recommended a high-risk specialist that would perform the DNE procedure. I was told that in New Jersey, the law was 24 weeks that you can perform this up until in the pregnancy. Um, I called the recommendation um, to of the specialist to perform the procedure. I was going to be 22 weeks and two days. I remember I called on a Tuesday. I was on shop on Monday. So everything was happening very fast. And I was actually informed, which I did not know, that even though the law in New Jersey is 24 weeks, it depends on the hospital and it could be sooner in specific hospitals. So the doctor that I was scheduling an appointment with would only perform the DNE procedure up until 22 weeks, which was in two days from when I made that phone call. Um, I feel like everything moved so fast. We were rushing to appointments. We were going to the hospital for pre-admission testing. Um, we couldn't even process, not along the diagnosis, but everything we had to do leading up to the procedure. I had to get a procedure done the day prior to the procedure to start dilating my cervix, which was really painful. Um, we had a stack of information and paperwork we had to fill out for the hospital including a death certificate. And I just feel like there was no time to even sit down with somebody to go through this information. I couldn't even read the words on the paper. Um, my husband kind of took the reins on the paperwork because it was, it was too emotional for me to even read those words. Um, we ended up getting our DNA um, July 15th. Um, 2021. Um, the days, it was really rough leading up to that, but the days after and all the postpartum symptoms that 
I was not prepared for. I've never been pregnant before. I've never had a delivery before. My body was going through what it thought of I had, you know, I went through labor, which I did. And I was having a lot of physical symptoms afterwards. Um, My milk supply came in. I didn't know what was even happening to my body. I wasn't informed this would happen. I was emotional. I was grieving. Um, It was just a really, really isolating time. And at this point, you know, I'm going, it will be the two year anniversary coming up this July. And although I feel like I'm in a better place mentally, obviously, physically, I, you know, it still hits hard and the anniversaries are tough and the grief is still there and it's always going to be there. I just think over time, I'm learning how to carry it a little bit better, but it by far was the most traumatic experience I've ever been through in my life and the most heartbreaking. And it's still hard to kind of wrap my head around that I even got through that time. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know sometimes it's hard to, you know, speak your story. I think it's easier to write it sometimes than to speak it. (laughs) Definitely. No, it, it definitely brings up you know, going through the details and going through kind of what I was feeling at that time, it definitely brings those emotions up to the surface. So I know that, you know, people can be very judgy about parents who have had to terminate for medical reasons. Have you found that to be the case? Have you been able to share with other people or have you faced any of that judgment? Yeah, I think that I think that is the the biggest part in, you know, terminating a pregnancy. Um, I think there's a huge stigma around it that when you're terminating a pregnancy, it's due to the pregnancy being unwanted. And that can't be farther from my truth and my experience. Um, I didn't really know too much about this situation prior to being in it myself. And I think, you know, a lot of people just think when you have a loss, you have, you know, a miscarriage or you had an abortion. And I just feel like that term is thrown around. And there's so many reasons why a pregnancy can end. And I feel like after going through this, the more knowledgeable I started becoming on all of the different scenarios out there and all the different women that are going through this. And I just think it could be such an isolating time. And it was for me, I felt like I was the only person going through this. I, even with the diagnosis of spina bifida, it's so rare. I did not know anyone else in my life that experiences. It's, it just feels so dark and isolating. And I felt like when I was first going through it, I was searching for, you know, support or information. And I just feel like in my network of doctors that I have had my whole life and that I was dealing with throughout this time, I wasn't getting the information 
or the knowledge on even how to cope with this loss or what it means to terminate a pregnancy for a medical reason, what was going to happen to my body. Um, I just felt like there was really no knowledge. There was a huge lack of knowledge of all of that and information. And I just felt like there wasn't a lot of support out there. I was having a really hard time finding it. Um, I ended up, I was searching for like a, a support group. Um, I came to the point where I needed help. I was not in a good place and I felt like I was alone. And, you know, I would, I'm very open with my friends and my family. So there was a small group of people that knew my actual story. But in the beginning, it was uncomfortable to open up to other people that weren't in my close network because there is this aspect of the stigma and this judgment that you know that I didn't want my baby and that's it's just so far from the truth and it's so hurtful looking back that I even felt those emotions because I think a lot of people go through that and until you start connecting with other women and I feel like social media was a wonderful place where I found this community of women, including you and your page and, you know, of women who experienced what I experienced. And it was just felt so um, wonderful to have these connections and to feel like I'm not alone. There's other people out there. And for once I was feeling that my emotions were validated and my feelings were there was other people that were feeling this way. And at that point it just felt so great to share my story. And I feel like that's when I really started opening up more about my story and telling more people because I feel like it's not talked about enough. And I feel like that's, when we start feeling really alone and in these really dark times. Yeah, I agree. I, um, I had two early losses before, um, we lost Jasmine and I didn't know about the lost community then. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I just kind of went through that alone with, you know, my family and friends that knew, but yeah, finding the lost community has been such an amazing thing. Like it's such an important part of my life now, you know, And it's nice to, like you said, have your feelings validated and know I'm not weird for feeling this or I'm not the only one feeling this. Yes, a hundred percent. And I feel like, you know, family and friends, I almost felt like, you know, everyone when they, and I'm guilty for it too. Not that anyone was trying to make me feel worse or make my condition or what I went through feel less important, but I feel like everyone's kind of go-to response when you're going through something difficult is to make you feel better um, and say, you know, don't worry, like you'll be pregnant again, or you'll get your baby or, you know, everything happens for a reason. I feel like that line, I can't, I can't hate that (laughs) line more than ever after going through this because there's not a reason it happened. No one should have to go through this. No baby should ever have to die. And I just feel like I started not only um, learning that 
the support I needed, I wasn't going to get from my normal support system of my family and friends because they didn't go through my situation. And I feel like, you know, I ended up finding a support group and I found this community on social media and started going to a therapist one-on-one. And when I started finding that support, it just opened so many doors because those weren't the comments that were that were spoken anymore. It was validating, you know, this situation is horrible. Like you went through something really tough. Like it's not okay that it happened. And just hearing it in a different light, I feel like was so comforting. And I feel like it also gave me the strength to start educating people that haven't been through it of, you know, maybe these aren't the most appropriate things to say. And it's okay to say like this situation sucks and it's not okay what happened to you. And I just feel like making comments of you'll have another baby or like that, I feel like minimizes the loss and having another baby isn't going to make me forget that I lost one. Like it's a separate pregnancy. It's a separate baby. And I just feel like no one understands it truly until you've walked in the shoes. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think so many times we, you know, we expect our family and our friends to show up for us and be the support, but they're not necessarily the support that we need after that kind of loss, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. And I feel like besides my husband, who even I feel like with my husband, he was obviously able to relate to the emotional aspect of what we went through. I mean, we went through that together. um, And he grieved and felt the same emotions and struggles as I did. Um, So it was great to connect with him on that level. But I feel like the physical aspect of what I went through of carrying a baby, and then no longer carrying a baby and all the postpartum symptoms that I dealt with, that was, he wasn't able to relate to that. And I feel like I would, you know, at sometimes you get frustrated that like, you feel like you can't talk about certain things because they, other people don't understand. And that's where this community comes into play. And it has been the most helpful Um, to me by far in my healing journey. So why do you think it's important to share your story? I think just, you know, a lot of the situations that I went through specifically, you know, getting a diagnosis of spina bifida, having a termination for medical reasons, those were things that I did not know anything really about prior to going through it. And I just felt like going through it, I had such a lack of information and a lack of support. And it just, I felt like by speaking about it more and sharing my story, you know, if I can just help one person that's going through this and has a little more knowledge than I did, then that's all I want. And I feel like that is what motivated me to start a social media page and to kind of start sharing my story. And I share a lot of like misconceptions um, 
on my social media page and some things that have helped my like wellness and my, my mental health. And I just feel like I, what I created now was what I was searching for when I went through that time. And I just think the more that we talk about it, the less isolating it could be. And even when I just have general conversations with people about my story, I feel like that's when they start opening up. And I've learned that a lot of people that are close to my life have been through struggles that I didn't know about before until I became more of an open book. So I just think talking about and sharing our stories is just so powerful. And I think it takes away a lot of the stigma of, you know, an abortion or a termination means one thing because it doesn't. And there's such a wide range of aspects of loss. And I just think it's really important for people to be educated on it. So women do not have to feel judged and do not have to feel so isolated in these really traumatic situations where we need support and we need people to rally around us during this time more than ever. So um, is there a particular, I mean, I know you talked about this a little bit kind of in this last question, but is there another like loss aspect or anything that you feel needs more attention? Um, I think just TFMR in general. Um, I think also in my specific um, situation, just more knowledge on the rare condition of spina bifida and kind of what that looks like and the quality of life. And I just feel like there's not enough out there. And I wish I just had more knowledge prior to going into making these decisions like pretty much blind. Yeah, I know that had to make the situation so much worse. I mean, because we, um, you know, Jasmine had a different diagnosis, but it was also a rare diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's one of those things that you're like, what? I've never even heard of this. And now I'm now I'm faced with it, you know, and you're just trying to find answers. And then especially when, you know, in your situation, you're up against a timeline. You don't have time to, you know, think it through and like really sit down and think like you said. So, yeah, I think everything was just really rushed and, you know, looking back, I'm not sure if any decisions would have changed. Like if I knew I only had up until 22 weeks, like would I have not gone to chop to give ourselves more time? And I don't think I, I would have changed that. I think I needed those answers. It was just unfortunate of how rushed it was. And even all of the information from the hospital, the decisions we had to make, like we didn't have anyone sit down with us and talk about the paperwork. I mean, we were making decisions about the remains of our daughter. And I just feel like everything was at the time we were so emotional and we weren't in a good place mentally. And, you know, we made a decision of, you know, not getting the remains. So we never did like a memorial service. And it's hard to think if that would have changed if I had more time. And I think, you know, all I could do is look back and say that we made the best decision for ourselves. But I felt like after the loss, I was kind of seeking that connection a bit with our baby. Um, So something that 
has helped me and has helped my husband is we found an area um, of a location that was close by something that was like near our house in a park. And we found this tree that, you know, we thought was like really pretty in the park that had a bench under it. And we kind of decided that that was going to be our special place to honor our daughter and, I visit that tree quite frequently. Um, it's in a park nearby. So I also, I often jog in the park and I'll always stop there and just kind of collect my thoughts if I need to feel like I need to connect with the baby. And it's just, that has been something that's been really helpful for me too. That's where we go on. We went there on our due date anniversary. We went there on the anniversary of our TFMR. We bring flowers to the tree often. And I just feel like that has helped me um, just by continuing to honor her because I don't, I don't want to forget her. She'll always be a part of me. I love that so much that you have, you know, that special place where you can sit and connect with her. I think we're always looking for, you know, ways to connect with our babies because they aren't here, but we yeah. still want that connection and we still want to parent them. A hundred percent. So do you have any other advice for anyone who's newly going through loss? Um, I think just becoming as educated as you can. And I know it's hard because sometimes when you're in it, like I was, we don't have that information until it's almost too late. Um, but I think just going through it of just really taking it one day at a time, giving yourself grace, being gentle with yourself. Um, I feel like prior to going through a loss, you know, I'm my personality, I'm very much a people pleaser. And, you know, I don't say no to a lot of plans or, and I just felt like after going through it, I started becoming a little more selfish and doing more of what I needed emotionally, because I was starting to recognize different triggers that were affecting me. And I started saying no to things that weren't healthy for me at the time, whether it be a first birthday party or a baby shower or a gender reveal. And I just think, you know, taking it one day at a time, being gentle with yourself and doing what you need, not worrying about what anyone else needs because it doesn't matter. And, you know, at, at first, you know, I'm worried, you know, is this person going to be upset that I didn't go to this? And at the end of the day, if, you know, those are people that love you and maybe they won't ever fully understand, but they'll be there at the end when you need them to be. Um, I think also just knowing that you're not alone. There's, it feels very isolating and that feeling has definitely been inside of me more days than one. Um, but there are others out there that are going through this and it's okay to seek help and seek support. Um, it's okay. I feel like it took me a long time to realize that I was not okay going through this just with me and my husband and I needed additional support. Um, and I think that's, that's a hard thing to kind of process sometimes, but just knowing that it's okay to get that because it makes the world of difference having 
people in your corner that have experienced similar losses. And it really, truly has helped me so much in my healing. And I don't know where I would be without this community. I definitely agree, you know, about the the self-care part, the not being afraid to say no. And, you know, I know a lot of us, and I think especially as women, a lot of us struggle with that because we do so much for other people, but we don't always take care of ourselves. And, and we think, oh, like, you know, I'll just, I'll, I don't want to go to this baby shower, but I'll just go because it's what I'm supposed to do. And, yeah. you know, but yeah, like you said, it's definitely okay to say no and take care of yourself. Yeah. And it took a long time, I feel like, for me to start doing that. And I was putting myself in situations where I would attend and I found myself crying and upset in the bathroom at these events. And then it just finally hit me, like, why am I doing this to myself? (laughs) Like, I am not mentally okay to be here right now. Like, I'm processing this tremendous loss. I'm going through all this grief and I'm trying to navigate it. So it, it definitely takes some time and there's not a right or wrong way to navigate this journey. Um, I think, you know, my therapist said something to me when I first started seeing her that has really stuck with me. And she said that, you know, you're never going to not have this grief. It's always going to be a part of you. It's always going to be a piece of your heart. Um, You're always going to carry it. But just over time, you learn how to carry it a little bit better. And I feel like that was just spot on because I feel like it's been a roller coaster. I'm going on two years and you know, three years since my initial miscarriage. So it's been a long journey. And I feel like on days where I struggle and the grief hits, whether it's around holidays or anniversaries, some days you feel like it's a setback and you're like, why am I feeling this way? I've been doing so good mentally. I've been in a good place. And it's not always going to just be a continuum of you feeling better. There are good days, there are bad days. And I think just knowing that, that it's a roller coaster and some days it feels like a tidal wave of grief overwhelming you. And some days you feel a little lighter and I think that's okay too. And really good to understand. I think that's the perfect way to describe it. You know, I, we're um, five years out from our loss and, so I have, you know, people ask me a lot, like, does it get better? And yeah. I think what your therapist said is, you know, spot on that, you know, the grief's always there, but, you know, we learn how to carry it. We learn how to live with it. And not every day is a heavy grief day. Yep. A hundred percent. And I feel like, like you can relate to, like, that's exactly how it's been. Some days it's really hard and, Other days, I feel like I'm able to find happiness and get through the days. And it's, you know, not always completely on my mind from the day to day. I mean, everything's very busy and I have a lot of other things going on. And it's not that I think in the beginning, I almost felt like I needed to be upset or I felt almost guilty from having happy moments because I felt like that felt a little bit internally, like I was moving on and didn't care about this loss. And I feel like that kept me 
in this grief and this sadness on days that probably wasn't very healthy for me. Um, so I feel like once I started accepting that it's okay to still have happy moments, that doesn't mean I don't love my baby. That doesn't mean I forgot about her. I feel like that has just made it a little bit easier to get through the days and, and to not think too far ahead. I think, you know, in the beginning, I'm was thinking, you know, when are we going to get pregnant again? And and am I ever going to have a baby? And I think just thinking too far into the future, which we know could change so quickly, and it could really change at any moment um, beyond our control. I think that was a healthy outlook for me too, of just really trying to stay grounded and present. And that's kind of where my yoga meditation has come into play a lot. Um, but just really taking it day by day and being really gentle with myself has been really helpful. So is there anything else that you would like to add or share? Um, So I did want to share and end with a little bit of hope. Um, I know the name of this podcast is Finding Hope After Loss. And I hope that everyone that has experienced loss does find hope at the end of it. And it's not always easy to see kind of that the light on the other side of the tunnel and It's, you know, how am I ever going to get to this place of happiness after all this pain? And, you know, I think I've also learned to accept that sometimes happiness might look a little different than what I initially envisioned. And that's okay, too. Um, But I did want to share that I am currently pregnant um, right now. Um, I'm currently 30 weeks. Um, so I'm, I'm getting there. And <laughs> this is the farthest I've ever been in a pregnancy. And I think just to touch upon a little bit of, you know, pregnancy after loss is really, really difficult. And I feel like it's been and still is today a really difficult journey to navigate. Um, and that's going to look different for everyone. Um, I think, you know, staying extremely disconnected from the pregnancy for a really long time is what I personally needed to for my mental health to get through the days. And I really started connecting a little bit more with the pregnancy, probably halfway um, around 20 weeks. We waited a lot longer to find out the gender. Um, I am having a girl again. Um, Not that the gender mattered at all (laughs) in this pregnancy. Um, But I just felt a little more at peace that, you know, maybe this baby is bringing a little bit of the spirit of my last daughter. And I kind of just feel like it was meant to be to have a girl at this point. Um, it's still scary. I'm still not a hundred percent there. I don't think I'm ever going to completely not be anxious about this pregnancy until I have a healthy girl in my arms. But I feel like, you know, the days have it's been a roller coaster, but I feel like I'm starting to imagine the light at the end of the tunnel for myself. I'm still struggling, but I feel like my happiness just feels the closest it's ever been. 
Well, I'm so happy for you. I, you know, it's so pregnancy after loss is, you know, it's scary, but you know, I like to, it it takes a lot of our joy away, but I think it's still exciting, you know, like it's, it's just full of every, everything. It's a lot of of emotions for sure. And I feel like we kind of just started getting into, you know, a little bit of decorating for the nursery and I have my bridal shower coming up and or my baby shower. Sorry. <laughs> I knew what you meant. <laughs> Pregnancy brain at its finest. Um, so I, you know, I feel like all those things are really excited that I, exciting times to plan for that. I didn't get to that point last in pregnancy. And I think, you know, a turning point in this pregnancy too, was when I got past 22 weeks, because that was prior, there was a lot of comparisons of, you know, what I was going through in the last pregnancy, and it was hard not to connect the two pregnancies. So I feel like just staying disconnected was the best for me. But being in new territory and being the furthest along I've ever been, it just, I feel a little bit lighter these days. And, you know, they're starting to become a little more hope that, you know, there's a possibility that this baby is going to come home with me. So it brings a lot of emotions, but I definitely feel like I've been in a better place. And I hope that by sharing, I know hearing news on pregnancy when you're going through loss and you're going through struggles with infertility or pregnancy and it's not always easy, but I hope by continuing to share my story and this gives people that are going and women that are going through these tough times a little hope that, you know, their happiness might look different, but hopefully we can all get to that place. You know, I have to admit, like when I was going through it, I definitely didn't like seeing pregnancy announcements, but I always am super excited about loss or infertility moms being pregnant too. And it's funny how obviously, you know, friends and family, it's like, you're so excited. I just feel like there's a different connection to these women. And I couldn't agree more. It's like, it's just a different feeling. And not that I'm not excited for people outside of this community, but it really just, I'm just rooting for these women who have had so many struggles so much. And it's uplifting to hear when they're pregnant and having healthy pregnancies. Exactly. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story today. Thank you so much for having me. I think this is a wonderful thing you were doing. And I think it's just great to continue to share. Um, I um, just wanted to share two of my Instagram page that I started. If anyone wants to follow my story or for more information, I feel like I'm starting to kind of share more about pregnancy after loss. So the page has taken a little bit of a turn, but I'm still trying to, you know, be sensitive to women that are struggling. Um, but my Instagram is let's start the combo underscore TFMR. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for sharing your story with us. Termination for medical reasons is a hundred percent a valid loss. Yet so many people look upon those that have to go through it with such judging eyes. 
Many seem to forget that these are very wanted babies. In Caitlin's case, the options presented to her were all a lose-lose situation. Facing a life-threatening surgery for both her and the baby that wasn't even guaranteed to work was definitely not a winning option. And then she only had days in which to make these heartbreaking decisions. She didn't have time to think through everything. She didn't have someone to help her walk through it all, to go over the paperwork, to walk her through the process. And she was facing deadlines. Many times the diagnosis and additional information don't even come until the anatomy scan and the weeks after the scan. The initial diagnosis is usually made around the anatomy scan and then follow-up appointments in the weeks after will either confirm the diagnosis or help you understand the severity of it and what it would mean for the baby. And anatomy scans don't even happen until around 18 to 20 weeks where you're already pushing a lot of the state deadlines for termination. So a lot of these families are forced to make a very quick decision without having time on their side. And I've said it before, but I always think it's worth repeating. We can always say it is something we would never do, but you truly don't know what you would do until you are put in that situation. Until you are faced with a life limiting diagnosis or until it's your health at risk and you're forced to make this choice. No one wants to be put in the position to make this choice. Let's just always be kind. We don't know what it's like to walk in their shoes unless we have been there ourselves. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, we are all in this together.